theme song. Well, I don't know why I'm listening tonight. I got a feeling that the cards just ain't right. I'm so salty, must not give in to rage. And I'm wondering what those rollers will say. Scarves to the left of me, cheaters to the right. Here I am, gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. Yeah. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of the Hidden City Roller Derby. I am your host Simkov and I am here with the amazing West Coast Roller whose uh, time zone is three hours behind us, the rest of the world, the rest of the world being Melbourne, Australia. How's it going, Nathan? Not bad, mate. Not bad. How about yourself? Mate, I am absolutely stoked. It's getting close to the end of the year. Uh, the holidays are upon us. Well, it's a few weeks away. <laughs> um, and there is a deluge of Elfova news, previews, um, potentially leaked stuff. It just seems like a more product than we can possibly imagine. You know what there isn't, though? What's that? Is a restricted list update. No, we're all waiting. Uh, hopefully that restricted list update. They did say, like, in the article that, that got released a few weeks back, well, like, pre-Worlds, they said there would be a restricted, up li uh, restricted list update in mid-December. So I think every Thursday I'm holding my breath when I wake up. I'm like, is, is the restricted list here? It's all I want for Christmas. <laughs> it is. That's what we get for Christmas is a whole bunch of the cards we paid for to not be used anymore. It's yep. good fun. <laughs> but in our minds, we think it's balancing the game, right? <laughs> sure. Sure. <Yeah. laughs> That's the excuse. Cool. Um, so huge show tonight. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. We've got World Cup. We've got the flashback tournament. We've got uh, Strategium Games in Western Australia. <laughs> um, we've also got, uh, obviously, there's new previews. Um, all sorts of stuff to talk about. It's been very, very busy uh, L5R week. And just probably talk about the the product deluge of product and what that means for us next year. Um, there's also a Grand Cote in Philadelphia that we can talk through. Very exciting. Unexpected results. Um, cool. So we do actually have an amazing guest, though. So... What have you spent uh, recently, Nathan, um, when you play L5R, when you don't have uh, physical cards available, or, you know, it's just you, and you've got no friends, you're Nigel, no friends, what do you do? Oh, I get my kids to play. Ah, oh, I see, you're lucky there. <laughs> I don't have, no, don't have we, we hit Jigoku, of course. Everyone does Jigoku. Yeah. Jigoku is one of those platforms that uh, we've all played. Anyone who listens to this podcast more than likely has played more games on Jigoku, testing the craziest stuff um, and not putting enough practice with their real decks they're trying to take to Worlds or other big tournaments. <laughs> um, but it's an amazing platform that I think we've all used for since it's, well, I guess for, for, for many months. I'm not exactly sure how long it's been out, but I know I've been playing with it for a long time myself. Um, but it doesn't get made by itself. Um it's great when the community comes together and, and puts these projects together. Uh, and, you know, there is a group out there, the Ring Techie group that uh, builds this Jigaku platform. And there's many, many people in the Discord server. But of that many, many people, only a handful actually actively 
develop it and can be relied upon to submit their uh, code changes. Um, and this guy called Griffin who uh, owns the project, but uh, um, there is one man, one hero who uh, has put in the effort of, for, for quite some time now to, uh, I guess, lead the charge in development and coordinate all the rest of us uh, hacker devs who are trying to help out and build this project. And, you know, every time there's a new pack, I'm sure he's sick of being asked, oh my God, when, you know, when, when are we going to see the new pack online? When are we going to see the new pack online? You know, so, and that man... Would it be accurate, would it be yeah. accurate to call him perhaps the developer we need, not the developer we deserve? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and he is here joining us all the way from the United Kingdom, somewhere in the United Kingdom, a mystery location. Um, but through the power of technology, he joins us. Jadiel, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How about you guys? Fantastic. Good. <laughs> it is currently a time of recording at 9.30 p.m. in Melbourne, uh, Victoria. Mm -hmm. What time is it in the UK? It's just coming up to 10.30 here. In the morning. So In the morning, yeah. Quite comfortable time for both of us, really. We should do this more often. <laughs> um, so, uh, thanks for joining the podcast. Really appreciate this. We're trying to, I guess, get some some guests on the podcast beyond just uh, you know the the Cote winners, etc. Like, there's so many people in the community that contribute in ways other than you know innovating and breaking the brand new deck. You know, and and I think that you know you're a fantastic. You're probably our first beyond Eric, the world champion. You're our first real guest on this show. I'm pretty sure. Can you think of any others, Nathan? Uh, it depends. I mean, I think every other guest you've had on, you've dubbed a roller pretty well yeah, straight that's away. True. So. <laughs> Part of the show, but yeah, even like so, even all the one ofs. <laughs> um, so maybe you want to, uh, I guess, a little bit of your background, JDL. Um. This Jigigoo project, were you involved with it from the very start? Or maybe, do you want to walk us through how you came to become involved in this project? And maybe for the uh, audience that's not familiar with it, a bit about what the project is and what it isn't? Okay, sure. So um, I, I wasn't involved right from the beginning of the project. Um, I uh, found out about uh, L5R just after Gen Con last year in 2017. So when that, like, it was sort of released... Um, and it already been, it already, it already been, I think the Discord server had been running for a while then and people had been doing stuff and there was a TTS mod set up and things. Um, and so I found out the game, I was very interested in it, but uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I have children, uh, I'm a dad, I don't get as much time to play games, particularly in the evening, which is when like local game stores all do their stuff. So um, I'd found with Netrunner, which was a game that I'd played a lot before, that the main way that I played was online. So, uh, so I was interested to see if anybody was was developing an online client for for Legend of Five Rings. Um, so I did some asking around in the Discord, and somebody said, "Oh, yeah, somebody's putting together a project." So then I got in contact with Griffin, um, and sort of asked if I could could help out. Um, I I'm not a coder by profession. Uh, I work at a university. I'm a lecturer in economics, um, and so I have some background in coding. Um, I did it a lot when I was you know when, when I was small for fun. Um, but I, I, I don't have any professional skills, so I was like, well, we'll try it out and see what it's like. Um, I'd never done any JavaScript before, so that was a was a, a new thing for me. Um, yeah, and so I, I started trying to understand this incredibly complex code base. Um, for people who perhaps don't know, uh, we didn't write Jigoku from scratch. Uh, it's a fork from another project called Throne Techie, which was designed to make play the Game of Thrones LCG online. 
Uh, so somebody had had written uh, a whole bunch, you know, written a, a code for that, and then Griffin fought it basically. That was the first edition of a Game of Thrones, or second edition? First edition? No, the second edition, I think. Oh, second edition. The second edition. Okay. Yeah, and and I mean that's called Throne Techie because it was also it's not it's a kind of a spiritual fork from from Jinteki, which most people are probably familiar with, which is a big um, in under a Netrunner um, client that people were playing online with. Uh, and so Cryogen, who's the lead dev on um, Throne Techie, he kind of he didn't like the language that that Gene Techie was written in because it's a bit weird. Um, and so he kind of took the idea and a lot of the the server architecture and stuff and and re-implemented it into JavaScript um, to write the a Game of Thrones one. Uh, we didn't innovate anywhere near that much. We just basically took um, Throne Techie and copied it directly, uh, and then started messing with it to try and make it work better for for Legend of Five Rings. Wow. So when you started, what did when did Jigaku actually kick off? Was it through Corset? Uh, yeah. So well, so I think we we released. I was actually just looking at this. We released the um, the beta in maybe October, November time, um, two thousand seventeen. So um, yeah, so it was just before it was before the Imperial Cycle released, um, but not a long time before the Imperial Cycle released. So um, I think we did have all of the um, all of Corset implemented just before Imperial Cycle started, and then we were straight into into implementing that. Wow. So uh, yeah, that was when that was when it started. So yeah, we had a beta release um, where nothing was not you know like we just had the the kind of basics of the game working. Not, not no cards were implemented, um, and some very brave souls kind of tried to play through it in manual mode basically, um, <laughs> and then and then we kind of gradually implemented cards um to better to a better or lesser degree depending i mean i was learning a lot as i was going through so yeah the the early days i think probably were pretty rough so i thank all the people who who stuck with it and played played with it through that because there were a lot of bugs so i think you know uh it's not just yourself and griffin who who build and maintain um and host this this jigaku uh, platform, right? So, is it what's the team look like? Is there other people that help out, or is it primarily just yourself? Um, so we have we have loads of people that come and help out, and that's a huge help because there's no way. Well, I mean, I could do it all myself, but I just don't have time. Um, so, so having like every time there's a new set of cards released, you know, I kind of send out SOS signals, and we get a whole bunch of people coming in to help um, implement different cards. So, the team's been very fluid. Um, you know, we've had people come and as you often do within with these community-based projects, we've had people come and go. We've had people just come in to help with implementing cards for for like a, one pack or a particular set, um, and then they you know disappear off and and we don't see them again, which is which is fine. It's great. We really appreciate the all the different contributions that we've had. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been pretty fluid. There are uh, some people who've who've stuck with it kind of longer. So there's a couple of people who've been around. Um, since the beginning, who are kind of floating in and out, depending on how much time they've got. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very fluid team. Wow, awesome! That's cool, man. It's it's so great to have uh, you know yourself to be actually dedicated to provide that that sort of um, you know long term you know looking after this project. Are you still are you excited every time a new set comes out? Like, have you already begun to try and you know when these new previews come out? And you see these new mechanics, like say, for example, composure. Like when you see these previews, you automatically thinking about, oh, how am I going to do this? Yeah, very much. So um, composure was fine because that one wasn't too difficult. But like when I see cards like um, 
uh, was it Miyako's Undertaking? Then yeah. I break out in cold sweat. Or Duty as well was <laughs> was uh, another one that I was like, how you know, what is this cancel framework events? How how on earth are we going to make that work? So okay, yeah. so you was- bring up something interesting there, right? You talk about canceling framework events. So yeah, probably because you're implementing this game um you know in a very technical fashion it's not about sitting at the table and having an argument however the rules work right and you're having to yeah. implement all the different framework steps i would imagine you would have to get like way too technical and really really extremely anal about understanding how this rule set actually works yeah very much so and sometimes i feel like it, it's very, very it feels far too much in that direction um, and I think in, in some senses we're really lucky because um, I have a lot of in, intro, well, not interesting, interesting to me, um, email back and forth with Tyler at FFG. Um, oh, and wow. he's really supportive, actually, of, of what we're doing. And he, you know, is very patient with me. And we go through all these different, you know, you know, as you say, in, in very strict detail of exactly which window we're in or whatever. Um, yeah, and he, he's he's really good. So if he's listening, shout out to Tyler. He's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he's done good work across the board, really. So far, everyone's seemed pretty impressed. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, well, he's just a fantastic guy, and I think he's brought he's uh, breathed uh, new life into a game that was doing quite well, and and then he's been able to, um, I guess, provide a lot of leadership over the last you know six months or however long it's been, and um, you know all the previews we're seeing. I love the the direction that he seems to be taking the game in. Um, you know, yeah, you know, it's very interactive sort of style. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm sure he's probably one of the people that are helping make sure there's you know more regular communication with the community. For sure. I mean, it's in their interest though to to have a project like Jigoku going well and going smoothly. Though, I mean, realistically, if you didn't have it there, the community wouldn't be anywhere near as strong as it is. The game wouldn't get played. It wouldn't get as much hype. You know, people yeah. just don't have the time to run off into stores all the time these days and catch up. Um, I think and it's kind of surprising that. It, any game that gets released these days, I think, doesn't have a little bit of online support. Like, you kind of... You almost have to these days. Like, you have to have those resources. If you didn't have guys like Jigoku sitting there cooking it up, you know, where would you be? So, the listeners, right, they're probably thinking about Jigoku, and now that they realise, you know, they're getting a little bit of a you know, look behind the curtains and understanding how this thing... <laughs> how the sausage is made. Um, in your time, like... Just in terms of, let's think about specific cards. You said duty. Um, what other cards have just been an absolute nightmare in terms of, you know, making work? Oh, wow. Um, so back in the core set, uh, Yokuni took me a long time to get right. Um, I mean, anything that copies stuff is really difficult because you have to, you can't just, you can't, I mean, in terms of, in terms of when you're coding it, you can't just copy stuff straight over because all the references point to the wrong place, so you need to make sure that that all lines up. Um, and so that you know, he he's caused me issues like over and over again because every time they release some new thing, then you know I can make it work, but then you like ah, but can you can you copy it? No, he can't. It doesn't work if you do that. So um, yeah, he's caused me a lot of a lot of stress. And yeah, the mirror's gaze was another big one. I basically rewrote the entire game engine. Um, <laughs> And, oh, oh, in fairness, okay, it wasn't it wasn't just because of that card. Um, there were changes that I wanted to make anyway. But then when they published it, I was like, yeah, I can't actually implement this without One making these changes. It was a catalyst. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. It, it wow. pushed me towards doing that. But but like the tests that I had to write for for the mirror's gaze were crazy. There's like you know all these different 
edge corner cases where you have to make sure that it's doing the right thing. Um, it's so really so bizarre because in competitive play, that card's almost invisible. Like, it's almost never played. I mean, it is played, obviously, a lot in casual because, you know, lots of memes, lots of laughs with that card. But, like, it's almost never played in competitive play. And it's probably... Would you say that was one of the cards that took the longest to get right? Um, I mean, in the in that I had to rewrite everything. Yes, it was. <laughs> and I would say it's not it's not completely fair to attribute it just to the mirrors gates, but it is a bit frustrating that it never gets played because you're like, oh, I spent hours and hours and hours doing that, and actually, it doesn't it doesn't get used very much. <laughs> I'd feel better about myself if I saw it played like a lot in in online. <laughs> Do you actually see stats? Do you keep any statistics, or is it a little bit tricky with that engine to keep statistics? So we do keep some statistics, but because Griffin is the one who runs the server, he, he has access to all of that. So I yep. don't get to, to, to play with the stats very much, which is unfortunate. I'd, I'd like to do more with that. It's it's interesting because um, the just in terms of like what information you would be able to, if you were to group and aggregate this information, what you could actually report back on. Because I feel like it's totally fine to, given the nature of the tool, to kind of you know, give the community some insights about what clans are most commonly played every time there's, you know, during different months or different, you know, metas, if you will. But I think that you're going down as, like, there's a slippery slope if you start doing, like, leaderboards and that sort of stuff if it's not clearly up front. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I think you have, to, you have to be a bit careful, particularly if you start doing, like, individual win-loss records and that kind of thing, because at the moment, you know, there's already... Like if you read the lobby in Jakuku, you'll hear people complaining about people leaving games without conceding or not saying GG yeah. or all kinds of stuff. And and once there's like there's actual statistics, then then people are far more incentive to do that kind of behavior. So yeah, I, I'm not sure if it, if it would make the community better to have that stuff available. I suspect it might make things even more toxic. So I think yeah, we do think have to be careful. We do have, um, I guess, you know, these Discord League tournaments and other tournaments organized by different people that use Jigiku as the as the client. And I think, you know, they track their own stats and it's very public and in the open. And that's probably totally fine. But I, I think that, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If you start having I mean, Jigiku top 10. <laughs> we, we have been talking about perhaps doing a bit more in terms of being able to integrate that. So um, using like authentication tokens so that you can just get a token for whatever tournament you're in and then Jukoku will automatically match you against the right person oh, wow. and report all of your um the report the result of the of the match automatically. Um and that there's more there's some potential there to be able to 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 record like more data. So you could look at, you know, what cards people are using and then you could for for example for a season of Discord, you could look at what cards are most commonly used, you know, how how playing a card affected your win percentage or there's all kinds of interesting things that you could potentially do if, if that takes off but i need somebody to pick up and run with it at the moment i'm not sure you know these things we always have lots lots more ideas than we ever actually get around to implementing. So, so on that is i imagine that there are a heap of ideas about new features uh is there any potential new features we might see over at some point in 2019 that you would uh, want to share any any anything so, that you're working on at least maybe it won't happen but at least you you know potentially might happen yeah so there's 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 stuff that we're actually really close to releasing so big um new complete update of the um the ui um which should be you know has been kind of ready to come out for ages and the person that's working on it just needs to finish it off um so that will 
move things around a lot so that instead of so at the moment you're kind of in three lines so you've got like your province your province and then your stronghold and then your line of characters um yep. and what that does is it moves it to two lines instead so the cards can be a bit bigger um and we've also then moved all the rings to the center of the table because that's the way that people tend to play with them in real life um and that allowed us to put in like a conflict skill total indicator as well on the board so it makes it much easier to see um like what the total what the skill totals are um, and you know what's happening with rings and things and rings when you claim them actually move to, to, to above your stronghold so you can see a lot more easily what you've claimed and what your opponents claimed without having sort of this box it's just the same all the time so uh, that'll be really exciting when it comes out I think um, the other thing that um, oh, there's two other features that I'm working on in terms of UI which are, which are me rather than somebody else um, and one of those is uh, like a mouse over so that you can see all the different effects that are affecting a card so like that often you happens where you so somebody's attacking with two characters with the same title and then they play Banzai on one of them and you're yeah. like, which one is it? Was it that one or this one? <laughs> so um that you know, Massey over then should be able to tell you whether they've banzai'd one of them or the other one or they split it between the two, um, or whatever, and just help you keep track of of what effects are on cards. Um and then the last one that is actually ready to go, and I'm not sure when it will release, should be very soon, um, is a, an indicator on the card telling you whether or not you've used the ability of that card or not. So you've got like a little, I don't know if you've seen the new tokens that they've just released, I think in one like of the, the, the recent... activation tokens. I got some when That's I was, right. uh, you know, like... <laughs> yeah. So, so we've implemented that, that graphic, that, that image, um, on cards so that it will turn it's red when it's been used and green when you can still use it basically. So that helps you to keep track of what's on the board and what cards have been used and haven't been used and that kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah. That's some of the stuff that we've got that, that is actually it's not just ideas that's actually implemented and should be coming out very soon that's awesome very that's super handy is there any um out of curiosity any plan to sort of have current force uh like political or military totals on the cards because that's tripped me up many times not having any idea or forgetting who i've used a, an ability on or right so um we would like to do that um we, we haven't quite worked out the best. again a mouse over it was political military is but it would be nice to have it like on the card so that you don't need to mouse over it so it is there um but we're still working out the best way to do that very cool all right what do you think just like reflecting i guess this is a opportunity to i guess reflect on on all of the the efforts over the last year and a bit um what's kind of be your proudest moment uh, during this whole project oh wow that's difficult um I mean, I think when we first released it and we got it all to work, um, that was that was a yeah a big moment for me because I, as as I say, I'd never done JavaScript before. I was you know when I was doing it, I wrote a lot of the particularly a lot of kind of the the timing engine. Um, I kind of rewritten from scratch, uh, and so seeing all that seeing that all work and seeing people playing it, and particularly I think when um, it got used for the second season of the Discord League. And they decided to move away from TTS and, and use Jigoku instead. Um, yeah, that, that was a really big moment for me. I was really proud that you know you kind of had all these people playing. I, I never had the feeling of people using stuff that I'd made before. So, yeah, that was a really good feeling. Yeah, I imagine that must have been amazing. I was actually a um, tabletop simulator user to begin with. Um, and I thought that, you know what, TTS, I felt like it simulated the game a little more because it was more tactile, etc. But then yeah. I realized that a Jikiku game you could play very quickly and it did the rules for you and you didn't have to you know there was so much manual stuff to do in TTS and and 
even though the board looks really really pretty and gorgeous with like the greenness and the 3dness of it all it's really impractical <laughs> like it's really hard to navigate so i think jikiku became the the tool de jour for uh for l5r players uh you know <laughs> It's great. Yeah, and I would, I would love for for to look as good as TTS, but unfortunately, we can't manage it. I mean, I think what I found frustrating watching TTS was a that you know you had to have a judge there all the time to make sure that everybody was was playing the rules right. Yeah. And even with that, sometimes the judge would miss something and the players would miss something, and then you'd realize two phases later that you didn't do something, and then you had to go back and fix stuff. And I was just like, you know. Shouldn't be like this. <laughs> so really, you have become, something doing the game for you. You have become the ultimate global judge of L5R. <laughs> yeah, well, it does feel like that sometimes, and, and that can be quite. If I'm honest, it can be. It, it feels really weird um, because you know you've got all these people who are basically playing with the way that I think the game should work. Um, and I think I've been I've been lucky in that it hasn't it hasn't like caused issues. Um, as much as it could have done, largely because, as I say, um, the F I think the FFG rules team have been fantastic, and they're really good about making rulings in a in a pretty timely way. Um, you know, Tyler will appear in Discord every now and again to tell us how things work, um, and that really helps because it means that we, you know, I'm I'm not trying to defend my personal interpretation of the rules um, from lots of angry people who all think it should work a different way. I think that only happened once with. Um, like changing control of attachments, there was a thing where it got a bit ugly, and suddenly everybody said Jacoco did it wrong. And yeah, so uh, I'm glad that hasn't that, happened was more. That, that, that was the really talisman awful. debacle. Yeah, so talisman. Whether or not you can calling in, you can calling in favors back a calling, you know, a, a, a talisman that has already been calling in favors. I think it was say or or carry it back or whatever. Um, because of the but they, the they ended, is... Tyler decided it worked the way that I said it, so I, I felt vindicated at the end of it. <laughs> I think the thing is, though, the only way you get to having that much of an understanding of the rules, it's not just about playing like hundreds of games. It's having to like actually code in how they work and like look how it how it you know when you when you're creating those little JavaScript files, it's like hold on a second. If I code it this way, that's going to contradict this thing and <laughs> all the moving yeah. Pieces. Well, and I think I think it, it you know like when you have to code stuff, then you all of a sudden hit a lot of the corner cases that. I don't think are obvious when you're playtesting it or when you're even playing with it. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the spoilers, we, we come up with all these rules questions straight after they come out that, that don't seem to have been thought about that much in playtesting. So, yeah, I think FFG should just make me a playtester and then I could implement everything in advance and I could tell them where it all doesn't work and that would work brilliantly. I hardly right. agree. Be careful what you wish. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, I think you're you're in for it. You got Children of the Empire, and then every single clan pack reportedly. So and probably yeah. like, probably like a couple of arcs as well if they if they keep to that. So that's how and, many and Children of the Empire is a big. It's a big set as well. It's not you know it's not just like a clan pack size on. It's almost like a full cycle in a box. I have a so, feeling that they're not going to spoil. Like it might be this the the thing where before the product actually comes out there might still be a few cards that haven't been seen <laughs> well i mean that's certainly been true with a lot of the recent sets um you know like well where i remember with underhand of the emperor as you said like i had people saying when's it gonna come out when's it come out and i didn't even know what the cards were yet so i was like <laughs> you know i have no idea because you know if the last the cards i haven't seen are like a miyako's undertaking or a, a mirror's gaze then well, then we'll either have to release the pack without having that card implemented, or 
you know, it's going to take a while for me to, thankfully it wasn't seen from one hand, the emperor were all pretty straightforward. Um, and so we could, we, we got it out fairly quickly, but it, it, you know, you just never know. Have you had to release a, um, a, a pack or a, you know, or one of the expansions, clan packs, etc., without, you know, all the cards? No, we haven't yet. We've managed to, we've managed to get them all out. And again, and like we aim to get them out by street. Um, but I think we have had them all out within, 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 I think the, 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 the one that was delayed the most was a week after street date in the middle of the elemental cycle where, yeah, people just began to burn out and, uh, we just, yeah, there just wasn't enough manpower to, to, to keep up with the, all the cards that we were getting to, to implement. And so, how do, uh, yeah. How do players give you feedback? You said this occasionally there's angry players complaining about, you know, cards that don't work. Uh, right I get a lot of pings on discord. Um, yeah. I get a lot of, of, of PMs on discord. Um, I, I kind of occasionally keep an eye on the on the Jikoku lobby to see what people are complaining about there. The 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 best place, oh, that's the place that I see bug reports earliest. Um, I mean, it would be great if they all came to GitHub, but get, going to GitHub and making an account and actually writing one <laughs> is like a, a, a bridge too far for a lot of users. So yeah. um, I, I get complaints in the lobby instead. Um, but yeah, so that, that's where I get most of my feedback from Discord or, or the lobby or GitHub. So tell me, like, just we'll, we'll wrap up the the, the, the the conversations, but that lobby is an interesting place to be. Um, it's strange because <laughs> it's like for for the platform, for the Jigiku website, there's like this one weird chat window, which is just like at the front. Um, and it's not, it's just, it's just a chat, right? Like it's just people type yeah. text and, and that's it. Um, it's not clear like what it's necessarily intended for. Um so do you do you read that often? Do you keep uh, abreast so of what's going I, on? I confess that, that recently I've been busier with other things, um and so I have not kept on it. But yeah, usually I try and keep tabs on, on what people are talking about, particularly um after new stuff's released, where I think it's more likely that we'll get bugs. So once once everything's stable and I'm pretty sure that all the cards are working, then I tend to not watch it so much. But after we've released a pack, I tend to, to keep up with what everybody's saying there just yeah. so that I can find out if stuff isn't working i think we're at a pretty there. stable point at the moment so most of the conversation is about like rage quitters <laughs> rage quitters is the is the predominant topic of conversation all the time but yeah well, see, i don't know about everyone else but i if someone rage quits on me i consider that it's like a higher level of win <laughs> standard victories and then i've made them rage quit that's like a victory and a half it's like 11 yeah. yeah, it should. But you're like the only person I've ever heard of that actively seeks out criticism on the internet for something they've created. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a punishment. You're a brave soul. <laughs> um, so we do have a few tournaments that are going on at the moment that are using Jigaku. Um, one of them, which I am very excited about, uh, is the the World Cup. Have you guys been following the World Cup recently? No. I have not. I've not seen much of it at all, unfortunately. Um, I've caught bits and pieces, but I, but I haven't been following it like every game. There I feel was... like we're about to find out all about it. Well, I want to highlight one game. So just just to know where we're at is officially what's been officially reported uh, is we're currently at top eight. Um, the so there's the semi. Well, we're about to go to top four. So we've got top eight, top four, and then the finals and. Ideally, it's all going to wrap up before uh, before the new year. 
So that means there's a lot of games in the next few weeks, like across December, there's going to be a lot of games being cast. Um, and they're all available. All you need to do is go to uh, on the Global Discord League. If you go to the League Media channel, you'll see, you'll see them available. Um, and just check them out. They're pretty good casting. Um, pretty good. Pretty, and they're fantastic games. I think Pymittens has cast almost all of them, but there's um, and Tenorum has, has joined in. But I think that as we get closer... We'll still see those guys cast, but I think we might see some other co-casters come in and add a, add a bit of color to the uh, stalwarts. Um, but we've got Netherlands versus Switzerland. We've got uh, Canada versus Germany. That that series is actually over, and I want to talk about that one in a moment. Singapore versus Sweden. France versus Greece. Some of these matches are already over at time of recording, but they haven't been officially updated on the, the bracket, so we will... We'll just presume that we won't give any spoilers. But there was this amazing match uh, that was the Canada versus Germany match. Um, and it was Scorpion Mirror, right? And you had... So it was Wideman playing against Noman. Uh, and was fussing with my head. And it was like... Wideman's playing a... Um, maybe we should shave it all off. Kaiuden Bayushi deck. Uh, that was my thing. Oh, really? Yeah. And... And he was playing against Noman, who was playing a more traditional City of the Open Hand. Um, they were both playing Seeker of Air. Um, but Wybom was playing KB, Splashing, Crane. And I'm going to link to it in the podcast so you can watch how it ended. I won't spoil how it ended because it was just a absolutely phenomenal game. But on turn two... Wideman was on a very, very low amount of honor, like down to two honor. Uh, and there was a lot of soul beyond reproaches that were keeping him in the game. And it was one of uh-huh. those games where you're like, KB should not be performing this well against City of the Open Hands. And they're both killers. Like, you know, Wideman's won some disc- global Discord leagues and Noman's always ultra competitive and he's always in, you know, top 16 or just always, he's always a contender at... So it's two amazing Scorpio players facing off, off against each other. And the maths involved in those games and just the crazy moves. There were just absolutely crazy, like, Aramoro on Aramoro action. It was just phenomenal. And the card choices Widewind makes, that guy is, he's a wizard, right? Like, he's, you know, Noman's playing a very solid, you know, tested sort of Scorpion strategy, Scorpion playstyle. And Widewind throws that in the bin and just is just going crazy with charges and all sorts of stuff. It's just it's just a different world. <laughs> I really enjoy those kind of decks. Anything that's sort of a bit left field, like when they particularly when they do well, anyone that chooses like your non typical restricted list choice or like charge instead of forged edict, for example, it's really good to see like the I suppose the underdog cards will take a win or, or do very well. Um I like it when somebody's figured out how to make those sort of lesser used cards really work, really sing. Um, I think that's that's mm. exciting. Jank for Jank's sake is fun in casuals, but like it doesn't, in my opinion, shouldn't really have a place in, in competitive play. But if you've worked out how to make that jank into competi- competitive, you know, fodder, then, then, you know, that's, I think there's some really exciting matches. And it was just, I guess with this world cup you've got the some of the best players in the world um and they're not limited by you know having to pay for a flight to you know go to go to um you know the midwest <laughs> like they could just play online so you're just seeing some amazing games um and i would highly recommend uh kind of uh, watching watching the remaining games uh, and really getting out there because i think it's an event i think there's 
a lot a lot learnt um, about how to run that event, and I think it's been mostly run you know very very well. Uh, there's some timing challenges because the World Cup, uh, like sorry, L5R World Championship kind of hit just as the World Cup bracket was starting. It kind of lost a bit of, um, I guess, I lost a bit of its oomph, a bit of its relevance because people then started concentrating on you know the World Champs. So I think it might be. You know, if we were to run it again next year, then you might time it a little differently. But on the whole, I've absolutely loved the tournament. Have you have you guys watched many of the games at all, or just been a bit hard to catch them? Um, I've caught a couple, but I haven't I haven't watched. I wouldn't say I've watched a lot of them, um, and I haven't managed to keep up with with who's progressing and things. But the games I've watched have been really, really good. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, I get a lot out of watching those kind of games. I only get to watch now and then. I'm more of a podcast guy on the train or whatever else. But um, the games I do watch are really, really interesting. And it, I find them to be very big learning opportunities. Like you don't often, when you live in a tiny, tiny little corner of the planet like I do, um, you don't really get to see the really high-end guys playing or the really top-level contenders. I mean, the best player I could theoretically catch up with would be some low bar guy like Simkov here and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and even that's pretty rare so yeah. it, um seeing how those games roll out like being able to see the game even between you know Shen and Eric at Worlds like that's what has been a very popular game to watch now um, is awesome and all those games are the same it's you get so much out of watching them um, that um you otherwise wouldn't get to do and they're enjoyable to watch as well like it's good viewing the risk of sounding like an enormous nerd <laughs> we're not here to be nerds of course of course not of course not have you guys been following along with this cool sort of like create a card create a card uh uh initiative that they've been doing with the unicorn i have so and I'm a you have fan I you, want, you want to fill us in on where we're up to i think we're just about to make another choice right we we are just about to make another choice so at the moment we've obviously gone unicorn at the beginning then we went to utaku for the i think everyone was angling for their battle maidens we then went to balanced stats and high glory was the call which a lot of people were moderately disappointed about <laughs> um but you don't want to go to those honor cards so it's fine um then the latest one is uh basically an array of what I suppose theme of card it is so there's uh who um stable master for example and one of them was actually a ronin is one of the one of the choices you can have the unicorn the, not yeah, unicorn choices up here it's like what identity will our samurai embrace a preserver of purity a cultured mediator believer in blessed virtue a worldly shiatomi or an otaku stable master i guess the worldly shiatomi is that the ronin well, maybe that they go into more detail for that, but one oh, of them is okay. actually a Ronin. So I feel like, you know, everybody's already said, no, we want Notaku, we want stats. So they're like, well, how about we don't give them a family or a lord? What if we kick them out? And I'd be curious to see oh, if yes, they're I on see. team wandering Ronin or if they've still actually got the purple water. They'd have to have purple <laughs> water, presumably. They chose Unicorn, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you get what you're given if you're Unicorn. <laughs> Beggars and chooses and all that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, like, once the Unicorn pack comes out, they're already feeling like they're. Uh... They're in a much better position now than they ever have been. I think if uh, I think if Jody had looked at the stats on the number of unicorn wins in the first six months of L5R, it will probably have not been a high number. 
Yeah. I think it was actually the Imperial cycle was was the worst because they they actually got relatively worse um, <laughs> over the course because they got like almost nothing during the Imperial cycle apart from Windswept. Yeah, was the only Unicorn card that really saw any play. Or there were other cards that saw play, but they weren't very good. Um, <laughs> they but, saw play because they had to. And, well, yeah, because you you know you, you only have so many slots, so like yeah, Mutajura and stuff. So yeah, the the unic the Windswept I think dropped from Core into into Imperial and then. You know, recovered a bit with the with the Phoenix pack, and then got a lot better in in Elemental. So, I've been really enjoying the the uh, the community design thing as well. Partly because you know I'm a Unicorn player, so um, oh. it's been it's, that's increased my interest in, in what's going. But I think it's a really cool idea, just getting the community involved in in doing design, and I think it's another step what of innovation. You to the Unicorn really clan. Good. There was a uh, bit well, of skepticism. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, so um, I I played I played a little bit of original L5R when it first came out, like in 1996. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and so I played Unicorn then, probably because uh, Cavalry was just crazy broken at the beginning <laughs> of the game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think it was before that, but just like the way that you know you could you, you had to declare defenders first, and then you yeah. say, okay, so where are you defending? <laughs> right. Well, I'm gonna attack everywhere else then. And, yeah, crazy. Um, so yeah, so I kind of I'm a, I'm a, I didn't play a huge lot. I played like through the first, I played um, Unicorn, and then I played a bit of, like they introduced like Enlightenment Victories or a Monk deck that was Enlightenment Victories. So I played a bit of that, and then and then I stopped playing. So yeah, that that so Unicorn were kind of my my thing back then, and so I was interested in them in Core. I kind of switched to Phoenix um, because Unicorn was just not very fun to play with, um, but now I'm, I'm I'm having fun with Unicorn again. So that's awesome. excellent. I'm really loving yep. the artwork as well. Like just yeah, everything. it's awesome. They've got that the the unicorn book across the burning sands, and I like that for each of the different clans. They're really with those full art cards as you extend them out, or alternate art cards, I guess they are um, for the for the unicorn. They you know they're really developing art styles which are specific to the clans, which kind of gives them more of an identity. And you know you've got like this Utaku battle steed. You know, it's like the wide open plains. There's this horse and and you know the 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 samurai there. So it's or stable hand, I guess. Um, but it's kind of lots of water strokes. Like it looks like it's almost watercolors in a way, and it just looks really super cool. Nice. Yeah. There was um. There was a bit of a controversy. I see some people are a bit concerned about the old card choices they were making. Um, I think Wayne over here in Australia, he pointed out that last time he recalls FFG, not FFG, sorry, but um, AEG doing something like that. There was, um, they ended up with a Mantis Clan Tenku non-human ninja. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> he posted the card and he was a little cautious, I suppose, a little skeptical of the, the choices they were making. He was moderately afraid. I personally I think, would love to see another Mantis Clan non-human. I think they've been a little bit more sensible with the way they've chosen the, the the options they've presented us. I think any of the options could kind of combo together and, and they could probably make it work. Yeah, and similar with the story choices, it's something that AEG, I think, pushed massively and FFG have, have, have perhaps learned from that a little bit and have had a very measured approach to make sure that you don't end up with crazy things happening with elephants and things. <laughs> yeah i think this story is really important in the game like i think that's one of the unique sort of selling points about the game but you're right i think they've they've been just slowly introducing more choices um but not not kind of 
putting it over the top and and making it front and center. I think I think that you know next year we'll probably see a bigger major conflict that we can all connect with because there's not like well, at least not that I'm aware of. I mean, the big thing that seems to be pushing towards is Taturi's got to, you know, tell everybody that, hey, uh, the Emperor's abdicating and, you know, the second son's going to take over. So I imagine maybe there's going to be like a first son, second son conflict and that will be the main story next year. I'm not sure. Yeah, it looks, um, I don't know, it's certainly going that way, but I think, they take it easy on the story this whole first year, I think, because they want to establish their version of Rocket Gun. Sort of, they very gradually show everybody that it's mostly the same, but then there's obviously these very, very key differences that they slide in here and there that down the line could have really, really big ramifications. Yeah. So, I think the just the last, I guess, major piece of L5R stuff that's going on, news that's going on, is there was in Philadelphia, there was the first. Uh, Grand Cote, that's a um, big event. I think there was seventy odd players that turned up. Um, there was two day. There was two. I think there was. Um, there was a two day tournament. Yeah. Uh, so we got our first six nil Hadamoto. So I guess there's the new rules of Hadamotos now. You have to go undefeated through day one. And uh, to nobody's surprise, uh, Mind's Desire <laughs> went six nil with his dragon deck and won again. Uh, and then won again on day two and took the whole tournament down. And I think that if you want to find out a bit more uh, detailed version of those events, then you can listen to the next Jade Throne podcast. And I think Anil's going to be on it and talk through the whole tournament. Uh, so we don't need to retread it here. Other than to say, um, it says something about the skill gap in this game where you just got, I mean, the same player winning you know, many, many events over and over again. Um, and yeah, you know, there's on one hand, you could say it's with the same deck, but what I would say is that none of the other Dragon players have managed to achieve what he has, you know? And and if you look at that top cut, um, you know, that top 16, there was seven Scorpion, six Crane, two Dragon, and one Unicorn. So it's not like dragon are going super deep in these tournaments, just one or two players. Like in this case, you had a Neil and a rash. Who's a New York absolute beast of a dragon player, but you know, it's, I don't know Have you guys got any thoughts on, on that whole, I guess, clan competitiveness versus, you know, players just being really good. Um, I think it's a really interesting sort of relationship as well though. Cause you can have a player who's super good, like a Neil, um, go along and constantly do well, as you've said, with a, a deck that maybe not everybody's doing as well with. But obviously, his consistent wins wasn't he like six times Hadamoto yes. last year? Yeah, yeah, like it's ludicrous, right? So I wonder though how much that realistically sways not only the stats, so obviously it does, but also like public opinion in general. And as a result of the public opinion, how much that influences the direction the FFG are taking their cards in future and sort of the where they push them because you know the only thing they got after dragon doing quite well was what something crappy like mitsu (laughs) you know so they're suffering as a result of his expertise and i think that's that's maybe unfair that just because they've got such a good player that they get these rubbish cards (laughs) is there a are you aware of any giant uk tournaments happening next year are they doing another um birmingham tournament uh, I don't think it's been confirmed, but I would be very surprised if they don't do another Ankate at the uh, Games Expo in Birmingham. Did you go to that uh, this year? 
I didn't because I was actually in Japan last uh, this year from, oh. from uh, January through to September. So uh, yeah, there weren't there weren't any tournaments. <laughs> no, no, no L five R scene in Japan. No, probably not. <laughs> I you did... could get in on that sick Pokemon scene. <laughs> it's actually uh, it's actually not anywhere near as big as you'd expect in Japan either. Very too surprised that there's just yeah, you know, it's much bigger I think here or, or in America than it is in Japan. <laughs> doesn't doesn't shock me too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So we've got plenty of tournaments coming up next year. Um, but I guess the one last thing I want to plug about the World Cup is this will be the last sort of now that we've done Philly. This is the last tournament in this meta, and I think that um, you know you were mentioning this earlier, Jayul, that Children of the Empire. Like, that's a really big set. I think it's the biggest set we've seen since um, Core by a long way, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting. You know, you'll be able to see this sort of meta, and I feel like the the World Cup will be the bookend. It'll kind of say, you know, this is the end of Phase 1 of L5R. And I think next year, Children of the Empire really does signal you know, that that is such a big, chunky set with so much, so many new cards injected in the pool, it kind of will be the next, be the beginning of the next uh, phase of the game. Yeah, so I mean, I'm it. not sure. I mean, how much time is the meta even going to get to settle next year? Realistically, I mean, you're talking what at least six different sets. One of them being Children of the Empire. So yeah. once every two months, like that's. I'm not sure you could even have a meta at that point. There's just going to be this constant turnover of cards and. It will be exciting coding away online yeah it'll be exciting and then hopefully things it sounds like it's going to be very difficult for things to get stale i think what is good that well from what it appears we think that children of the empire will come out in january and then the next release will be march for unicorn that's all hearsay but it was some some gaming store catalog or something that somebody posted where that is apparently the dates if that is the case well, yeah. It's official that they're both in quarter one, so it would make sense that one of them's at the beginning and one of them's at the end, wouldn't it? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. It's true. That's oh, why well, he's yeah. the man that educates people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does mean that I think hopefully if it's you know closer to the beginning of January, then we'll have, you know, two months to digest, you know, this really thick children of the emperor set. And you know, by the end of that two months we'll be complaining that Clan X is broken and Clan Y hasn't got any good cards in ten years. Um, but <laughs> but you know, I think I think we'll have a bit of time to explore that. But then I think once the unicorn pack comes out, it's just gonna be one set after another for the rest of the year and it'll be non stop frantic pace of new cards. Um, cool. Well, JDL, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I think our listeners are gonna love listening to uh, hearing all about how the Jigoku platform works and all the work you've done and your sort of interesting journey from economics professor to uh, community code master. <laughs> None at all. It's been my pleasure. Brilliant. And and again, Nathan, uh, as always, West Coast Rollers, um, always a pleasure to have you. Uh, and until next time, this has been the Hidden City Roller Derby uh, and we'll talk to you soon.